what the fluff is going on y'all welcome to today's episode of the what the fluff podcast the first official mental health monday episode for those of you who don't know every monday i host on my twitch what is called mental health monday and i have a questionnaire that you can fill out via the chat you can ask about fitness mental health uh exercise whatever it is and we'll chat about it i'm no expert but i've gone through some things i know some things and we can talk it out so this is the first episode of that we had five beautiful questions from relationship compatibility to anxiety and it's just awesome to get to talk with each and every one of you and to learn and help each other together so hope you guys enjoy this episode of the very first Mental Health Monday. Enjoy. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my non-binary friends, welcome to the very, very first official Mental Health Mondays, where uh, I pretty much set up a questionnaire. You guys ask some questions, whether it's fitness, mental health, streaming, whatever related, and we talk about them. Not gonna be as on chat, as a typical stream there's not going to be any alerts that show up there's not going to be any sounds that show up and in fact i'm going to go ahead and put slow mode on for chat just in case uh let's go five seconds that way i can make sure that if i end up going to chat for for comments and stuff that i don't miss some things otherwise probably going to be monologuing a bit but either way, let's get into the, uh, the business. The first question is by our very own Courtney S. And Courtney S. asks, dating in today's world, multifaceted question. How do you navigate it? Finding like-minded people, establishing boundaries early, determining compatibility, maintaining perspective, etc. Give the singletons a little perspective check. Gosh darn it, that is a very good question, especially as someone who is very single. I'm on a couple dating apps, but I don't put myself in that many places to be able to meet people. For example, common place you're going to meet someone is at a bar. I feel like that's where most people in their 20s end up meeting someone. You, If you're lucky enough to have met a partner in college or in a workplace, which I don't know how common that is, but it can be difficult if you're like, you're like me and go to bed at 10 and don't want to be out at a bar and don't really even want to date someone who would be out at a bar because that means that you're going to want to stay up until one o'clock and that's really freaking late. I'm in bed by three hours at that point. I'm getting up by the time you're going to sleep. That's not going to work. So I feel like one of the best ways to meet like-minded people is in doing certain activities. So for me, it's gotten a little bit tough because the main places that I go or the only places that I go publicly are where I would have engagements with people are jujitsu, volleyball, and the gym. That's really the only places I go where I'm able to meet and talk to other people. When I go to the gym, I'm not really trying to, to talk to anyone, although I did perhaps introduce myself to someone this morning. It's just been a lady who's, who I've seen 
mornings, uh, during the mornings frequently for months and months and months. So I just introduced myself and that was it. Didn't really talk to her the rest of the time, but that was just an initial introduction because my true belief is that you shouldn't flirt with the gym or shouldn't be asking for numbers outright at the gym. That it's not a place to flirt. That is a place for fitness, which is also why I don't necessarily like talking to people at the gym because like that people want to sit and have conversations and it's unfortunately I'm there to work out and I want to leave. So that can also make it tough. Like you have to, you also have to gauge the other person in that instance, right? So for example, the main reasons why I introduced myself to the girl at the gym was we had a little bit of an interaction before she was struggling to get this thingy uh, fixed with the machine. I was like, hey, do you need help? We laughed about it, blah, 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 blah. So that created the opening. If there's really no interaction or any eye contact or anything like that going on at this activity, the chances of a successful introduction, that that makes it awkward, right? If you notice someone in, in a space like the gym or a space that it creates that commonality of, oh my gosh, we have something in common, but it might be a little bit more difficult to approach them in that instance, if you, you, this, this takes some, some emotional intelligence. This takes some reading of people. You want to pay attention. Okay. Is this person engrossed in what they're doing? Is this person not looking up, not checking their phone? They are just lifting their weights, moving from machine to machine. That person does not want to be bothered. That would be an indication that, okay, I'm not going to attempt to start having a conversation with this person. However, if, you know, there's some wandering eyes, you guys make eye contact a couple times, uh, maybe the exchange of a smile or something, then use your best judgment and introduce the worst thing you can do or the worst best thing is just introduce a name. That's it. That's all you have to do. Hey, what's your name? I feel like I see you around here a lot. Awesome. So great to meet you. I hope you enjoy your workout. That's it. Let that be the little test of whether this is someone you even want to talk to more. Um, and so that's, that, that would be my advice for, for the like-minded people thing is truly just starting to meet people around your general activities. If you're someone who doesn't have any general activities, it's going to be a little bit more tough. That means you're going to have to get the confidence to ask out someone at the grocery store or someone you pass wherever the F it might be. If it wasn't for volleyball, jujitsu in the gym, I wouldn't talk to people. There would really be no instance. I mean, yeah, I could go into someone's chat and flirt perhaps, but the likelihood of that working or even being an effective form of flirting isn't likely. We live in a very digital age. So of course, Tinder, Bumble, all the different apps, it's possible. But if you're trying to find someone that you can have those commonalities with, the best place would be your main activity spots, if you will. So if you go to a rock climbing gym, you go to a cycling class, you go to the gym, like those varying activity-based group things could be very good spaces for you to start that introduction of, of meeting like-minded people. And once you have become closer, then you got to establish those boundaries and determine the compatibility and maintaining perspective and all those beautiful things. So when it comes to establishing boundaries early, I feel like that's, that's one of those, for me, it's easy, I should say, because 
I know one of the things that's so important is you have to know yourself well enough before you get entangled with someone else. So that is why y'all know I was in a relationship. I madly in love with that person, still love who the hell that person is, and they are an amazing human being, but it wasn't right for me at that point because I wasn't firm enough in my own boundaries. I wasn't firm enough in knowing that, okay, I have this job. That means that I need to get up at this time. I need to go to bed at this time. I need to be taking care of these varying things day to day. That is where I struggled the most. I am very and have gotten very, very good at maintaining my boundaries between another person because I know in my best friendships, I know in every walk of life what I will tolerate and what I will not tolerate. And so if there's a certain level of treatment that I'm getting from the person or there's a certain level of lack of communication, too much, too much communication, I will immediately say, hey, this is how I am feeling about this instance and this is why it is or is not working for me. Boomtown, how do you feel about it? What are your expectations, desires, and needs? So for example, if you start dating someone and they're replying to you every three days and that doesn't work for you, something that you could start out by saying is, hey, so I feel as though that I, my expectation was that we would be communicating a little bit more than this. And since that hasn't happened, I've been feeling a little bit neglected or I've been feeling a little bit bummed out by that. And so I just wanted to bring that up to you. I also know that you are a different person with different expectations, needs, and wants. What are your needs for communication? And even there in that moment, you might need to talk to a person every day. I'm not the person that has to do that. I would love to say, a, hey, I hope your day is going well. Sending you love. That's it. And if, I don't, if we don't talk for the next few days, that's totally fine by me. That might not be okay with someone else. And with whatever you have going on in your life, you have to take the inventory of, okay, is this a boundary that's important to me? Is this something that I need? So for example, yeah, I don't need to speak to someone every single day, but I can do that if, I, if, if it's, if it's going to help that person and I'm not having to overexert myself. I'm totally going to do that. So if you need a good morning and good night text, amazing. I can totally do that. If you need to check in with you every single hour, that might then be something where it's, hey, this isn't working for me. This isn't working. Uh, or I know that what I need and what I expect isn't going to make you happy. This is going to be something that doesn't work. So when it comes to those interpersonal boundaries, I'm very, very good at I mean, I feel like you guys might be able to know based on how I engage with people. I'm very understanding. I want to know what you need, what you expect, what works for you, what doesn't. And if something doesn't work for you, then that's totally okay. Just like if people tune into, I'm spitting everywhere. If people tune into a stream or whatever, and it's not for them, that's fine. You don't have to tell me about it. You don't have to say, mm, yeah, you have a shitty personality. This isn't going to work out. But you can say, Hey, you know, this isn't, I'm not feeling what I need to in order to pursue this relationship further. Thank you so much. Something as simple as that. Um, so you have to have both those interpersonal boundaries established and what you will and will not put up with what you will and uh, what you do and do not expect. And then also when it comes to just how you behave in your own life, making sure you're still able to get your job done, make sure you're still able to provide 
the attention to your friends that you're able to and all those sort of uh, things. So that's, that's very important. And I also feel like that just happens with determining the compatibility and maintaining the perspective. The more you know yourself going into a relationship, the less likely I feel, or at least experience-wise, you will let yourself go and bleed into that relationship. I wasn't as much as I've grown and established who I am and what I need. I hadn't really, really dug into that when I got into my relationship. And so a lot of those things went by the wayside because, oh my gosh, I'm getting the good feelings from this relationship. I don't have to do these other things, which meant the work started to slip. The podcast started to slip. My fitness, going to jujitsu started to slip. Those other things that make me happy that I know I love all went away or at least I pushed them away because I wasn't focusing, uh, because I was putting the focus on the relationship as opposed to, again, maintaining my own boundary, my own self. And so, yeah, when it comes to determining the compatibility, that's just, that's just going to happen how it happens. And that can be the unfortunate part when you start dating is you, for me, I get very attached to a person very quickly. I get very attached to the idea of, is this someone that's going to like me? Is this someone that's going to want to be in a relationship with me? And then once I find out that information, I become a very secure human being. Once I know you like me, I'm good. But there's still that part of me that wants affection, that wants to be accepted and loved by a person that I also want to accept and love that I can be very angsty until I get to that. And so that can make the compatibility stage quite anxiety ridden because you're sitting in this point of, okay, I know I'm physically attracted to this person. I know that there are certain things that we get along, but like, how is it going to be, you know, will, do I want to spend an entire weekend, week, month life with this person? So many things that you're not going to be able to figure out. You're not going to be able to figure out if you want to spend your entire life with them until you live that entire life with them. So you just, you just have to start accepting the moments that you're given and just taking mental note of those moments. Like, are you at peace when you're with that person? Are you, are you thinking about doing other things? Are you thinking about X, Y, and Z? If you feel at peace, I feel like that compatibility is working pretty well and you can just sit within that. Um, and then, yeah, as you continue to go over that relationship, that, that also depends how open and vulnerable you both are because I, you guys can probably attest to this. I want to get vulnerable. I want to get real right away. I want to say, Hey, what did you do today? And based on that information, figure out who the hell you are as a person. I don't want to know what your day is just so I know what your day is. I want to know what your day is. So I see what you prioritize. So I see what your passions are and, and how you deal with all of those things. Because even how your day is structured goes into compatibility for me. Like I can't have someone or at least where I'm at in my life, I can't have someone who regularly goes to bed at 2 a.m. and gets up at 8 or 9. I'm not going to see you because I'm asleep at that point. I can't, I, I, I can't have someone at this point right now who really, really loves to travel and who wants to take vacations a lot because a lot of what I do is situated here. And with acting and modeling, a lot of it means that I can't plan those things that in advance because if I get a job, I have to be here. Again, I will, I will always make sure that I live my life. And if I have a, an important trip plan, guess what? Modeling agency, I'm booked out. I'm not going to work. I'm going to be doing the thing that I want to do, um, which is that little trip with family. Because again, 
that is very important. That's another subject we can get into later. Um, but yeah, being single is super tough. And I think a lot of us, so many of us, myself included, get attached to the idea of the one or finding the perfect person for you, which I'm, I'm, I'm on both sides of the spectrum. Like I, I feel that waiting for the one or thinking that someone is the one and only can cause you to disregard other relationships because they didn't last or whatever. When every single relationship I've had has led me to become the person that I am now. And if it weren't for every failed relationship or every failed flirt, whatever it might be, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. But I also, but that being said, I do think that there is a person that's most suitable for you. I do think that there is a person that can make you feel at ease better than anyone else. So there's an, an idea of the one that I prescribe to and, and an idea of the one that I do not. So here's the thing. Every person that you say I love you to in terms of a relationship, there's only two options. It's either going to end or you're going to be with that person for the rest of your life. That's it. So, yeah, it, like that's really it. You just take each one as, as special as possible. All I want to do when I first start seeing someone is, is become your friend. I just want to be your friend. That's it. Do I, because my friends are the, the main people in my life that I want to spend the rest of my time with. It doesn't matter how I'm feeling. I want to be with them. That's exactly how I want to feel about my partner. I want to love you and be your friend so that we can just sit and relax. And if it's just us, that's amazing. If other people are there, that's amazing. Getting to that point, I feel you have to be vulnerable. You have to open yourself up to the possibility of getting hurt. Because without opening yourself up to the possibility of getting hurt, you're not going to open yourself up to the possibility of love either. You have to have your own boundaries in terms of how you want to live your life and then the boundaries set on how others are able to interact in your life as well. And I think if you're able to have both of those things and you're able to just have patience and understanding and know that either this is going to work or it's going to not, so you might as well fail being like Jim Carrey said, um, when it came to his dad choosing a dream job, he said, you might as if you're, if you can fail doing something you hate, you might as well fail doing something you love. So you might as well give it a shot, put yourself out there, be vulnerable, be your most authentic self, paint your nails, wear a dress. If you're a dude to the first date, whatever it might be. Be your unapologetic self. And guess what? If that person doesn't accept you for who that is, they are giving you a gift. They are giving you an out right away that says this person is not for me. Now, if you're able to be your most authentic self with that person and it's accepted, loved, and cherished, that's someone you get to entertain a little bit more in your life. And then it's up to you to determine whether that is someone you want to make a partner or not. Because we all value different things more or less than other people. So it's not just going to be one aspect that makes you fall in love with a person. It's going to be the person that makes you fall in love with them. So anyway, that is my, uh, my perspective on singledom and dating. 
by the one and only Courtney S. So thank you for that. Next, we are on to the one and only John L. Who is asking, do you think breaking the cycle can really happen? Yes, I do. Um, 100%. I, I just, ooh, that's a, that's a tough one. Because while I do, I, I do believe it's possible, I think there's so many things that go on that cause you to either continue or help you break. That's one of the most beautiful things that I'm learning in Atomic Habits, which I feel, John L., if you want to pick up, I'm assuming this is Papa Lemons, um, you, you should re read Atomic Habits because that's one of the things so much of the cycle is our repeated patterns. It's our habits. It's us putting ourselves in the same situation and us not even realizing that we are entering into, we are queuing ourselves up to have a reaction to whatever's happening. So for example, me and breaking the cycle with how I smoke weed has been difficult. I still struggle. I'm still struggling and I'm still working through it. However, I'm at a far better place now than I was before. And knowing that my family has a big history with eating issues, which is what I end up doing when I smoke too much, I know that that is a cycle that I want to break. And that is something I, I know, I know when I would get into it, um, or I, I know what getting into that cycle looks like. I know when I lose myself, I also have become aware and know the things that keep me out of it as, as best as possible. And yeah, it just takes a really, it takes a really concerted effort, not only by yourself, but those that you're surrounded with, not only with those that you're surrounded with, but what you're intaking in terms of depending on what the cycle is for you. If your cycle is bad eating, making sure that you're not leaving up your, your food to chance. You always have a frozen healthy meal that you can always cook when you have to. You, um, you, move, you drive a different route so that you don't pass the local McDonald's that you always used to go to. You make sure you have healthy snacks around the house at all times. You have notes posted up in different places. The people that you're associating with on a, on a regular basis they are supportive and they know that, hey, when, when John's around, we're going to eat healthier. We're going to cook our own meals, that sort of deal. So I believe that you can break the cycle. I just think that you, you have to devote your life to doing it. You have to make your life breaking that cycle. Um, Otherwise, it can be so difficult. Yeah, there are people who can heal in the environments that hurt them. For example, I had a bartender friend who went sober while he maintained bartending and maintained that job, and he was able to do it. He was able to, to maintain his sobriety from Coke and alcohol, all in that environment. But that requires a level of self-restraint and discipline that I know I don't have, and I know I don't exert um, when it comes to uh, when it comes to frick. I just lost my train of thought. When it comes to 
food. That's where I lose my self-control, especially if I'm high. So that's one of those, I do not have issues around food when I am sober. So one of the main catalysts is weed. Helps me in other ways, but then it also, if I use it for too long, it hurts me in that way. So that's, you just have to be really, 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 really aware and set up everything in your life to make it so that it's harder to continue that cycle. If you're not doing that, it's going to be harder and harder to break. Um, so again, and if you guys have follow-ups on these, always ask away, ask away. Old man lemons, your cycle is addiction and not being able to cope with if much, uh, with much, if anything, I hear that as well. And that, mm, that becomes tough. That one of the things that rings the most true for me was what my sister's husband said, my brother-in-law, Patrick, he was an addict. He is an addict, was, is a recovering addict. I think he's been sober for five or six years now. Um, but we were talking about his addictions at one point and I was like, dude, so what was it about weed? What was it about blah, blah, blah. And he was like, it wasn't about weed. He was like, I was addicted to changing how I feel. And if that shit hasn't rung true every time I've picked up a joint every time I'm feeling a certain way and I decide to smoke it away. That's what it is for a lot of us. For most of us, we are not addicted to alcohol because of alcohol. We are addicted to alcohol because we're trying to change how I feel or how we feel. We're addicted to weed because we're trying to change how we feel. We are addicted to food because food makes us feel good. We weren't feeling good. Now we do. We're addicted to changing how we feel. And so if, and this is something I'm still not at. This is something that is literally my life goal and what I'm wanting to work to is we the basis of meditation the basis of mindfulness the basis of equanimity is being okay with what is happening is being okay with how we're feeling so if we're feeling stressed we don't smoke because it makes us feel less stressed we feel our stress we acknowledge why we're feeling stress we try to adjust and change the things that are causing the stress that we can and then otherwise we just let that stress run its course because guess what we're not going to feel stressed for the rest of our lives. This stress might go away. Maybe it's only for a couple seconds. I also don't uh, suffer from chronic stress. So it's just, I, I was, I smoked before we did the podcast, like a half an hour, 45 minutes before, because I was so anxious about doing this. I'm like, dude, I'm only going to be talking just me for two hours. Essentially, this is going to be fucking awful. Hell no, no chance. I should smoke, but I'm still doing it. And so who knows if I would have let myself just run past that anxiety and I hit go live and I started to feel good, would that have been enough? So it's starting. One of the first things you can do is start to allow yourself to feel those things for a little bit longer and then also have things that might not be those addictive things that help you feel better after. For example, breath work, reading, going for a walk, things that aren't substances that don't alter your mind state, but can allow your body to work through those emotions and those, uh, those feelings. So that would be my tip on breaking the cycle. It's truly just focusing on the fact that you're trying to change how you feel and recognizing that and then becoming more comfortable 
in the uncomfortable, if you will. It's so awful. It's so awful. But you got to do it. Uh, so next question we have is from TJM. TJM is saying, I dated a girl for around a year and a half. For the first six months, everything was amazing. After that, the name calling, talking down to disrespect, doubting, and just overall disregard for me as a human was in full effect. You fell hard for this girl and to this day still love her. Realizing a year later that it wasn't healthy, I know, dumb for letting it get that far. I would love for you to not judge yourself. It's hard to forget about her. I believed a lot of things that she said to me because it was constantly embedded into your mind by someone you cared for. You feel like you should just man up, but it has been a struggle. You did make the decision to leave the, rela uh, the relationship, but with limited people to talk to and express this to, here I am. I appreciate any advice. TJ, brother, I'm so sorry that you're having to go through this. Um, I guess one of the ways that I can sort of relate in this way was my relationship with my mom. My mom and I were very close. And then about two years ago, after uh, realizing some certain things about our relationship that I didn't like and attempting to establish boundaries and be a little bit more of my own person, it's exactly what happened. Um, talked down to, disrespected, insulted, belittled, um, and just not respected. And that shit hurts. The amount of things that I have read or heard from her that are that don't even seem like they're from the person that I used to know which I bet is something you can feel like as well sucks so much um but one of the most beautiful things that I was given and it was in Glennon Doyle's podcast about boundaries that they're talking about um boundaries and it's you are not responsible for the feelings, emotions, reactions of another human being. Unless, like, tr truthfully, even if you say you are a piece of shit, yeah, of course, you are putting some hate and, and anger into that. But how they choose, but how, well, okay, no, that's actually not a, a great example. Because, of course, you literally did just say something that was hurtful to me. However... Let's, let's, let's actually ixnet, ix that uh, example. Bad example. Abort. Let's try this again. So, for example, uh, a simple thing with boundaries. Um, hey, I would really like, uh, you just called me a dumbass. Uh, I value, I only allow people, um, I only speak and am spoken to in a respectful way. So, if you, I would, A, ask that you not say that again. And B, if you do, then I'm just not going to speak to you. Something as simple as that. Um, if they choose, oh, what you're you're saying that I'm doing this? You're saying you I feel that that makes me feel like shit. That's that's on you. I said nothing. One of the, okay. Let's take it back a step. So when it comes to boundaries, when it comes to that level of communication with another human being, there has to be a certain filter in which your words go. Those filters are, is it honest, necessary, kind, and true? If it doesn't fit all four of those, that person can be more likely to be reactive to what you're saying. And it also makes it so that there's literally, again, there's nothing for you to be sorry about. For example, um, let's say you, the way you say that makes you sound like a dumbass. That might be 
honest. It might be necessary and it might be true, but it's not kind. So you're not going to elicit a, a, a proper response from that person and you might make them feel a certain way. But if you are to say, uh, same example as it was before. Hey, what you just called me really hurt my feelings. And it's very important to me that those in my life um, are spoken to and speak to me in a level that's respectful. So if you, I'd ask that you not speak to me in that way again. Boomtown. Honest? Yeah. Necessary? Yeah. Kind? Yeah. True? Yeah. How they react to that is completely on them. If they lose their mind, if they feel that I'm being soft or if I'm easily offended or it was only a joke or it was blah, 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 blah. That is none of my responsibility. I am not responsible for that because I know that everything I said to you was honest, necessary, kind, and true. And that's pretty much how it goes for this. You, you, you have to realize that there was the person that you loved in the person that is still the mean person and unfortunately, that's just not the person that you have right now. Um, honest, necessary, kind, and true. Those are those four. Um, and so, yeah, you just have to realize that the person that you initially dated is not the person that is living that life now. Um, because trust me, dude, there's still times where I greatly miss Candace. And nothing was wrong and nothing was inherently wrong with our relationship. We didn't have any yelling. We didn't have any um, disrespect, hurt or anything like that. But you're naturally going to have to go through a grieving process. And it also, that was a year and a half relationship. So I can only imagine how much effort it took for you to stay into that and how much love you had to pour into that relationship. So the reality is, is you're probably not going to be over it for a while. It's going to be something that sits with you. You're going to imagine the days when everything was perfect and you were sweet and loving and kind together, but it just becomes one of those sad situations that you just have to accept the reality that is the, it is what it is. And it's that this person is not for me. Does it make that any harder? No, but it does at least by acknowledging to yourself, by saying out loud, that this person is not for me and that, yeah, I might've had a beautiful relationship with this person, but that's not the reality that I get to live in now. The more you are able to just bring yourself into what is the truth of this moment, the, the more peace you're going to be able to exude. That's the main reason why anxiety is a thing. If you are fully present in this moment, it is not possible for you to experience anxiety because anxiety is thinking about what happening in the future. However, if I'm sat committed to exactly this moment and only the things that are happening in this amount of time, it's not possible for me to feel anxious. So, um, yeah, if you're able to just ground yourself a little bit more in that reality of, of what the relationship turned out to be or what, what is, you know, your life now, the easier it'll make it. You still need to feel that sadness. You still need to, to grieve because that's exactly like you have to grieve. Otherwise that's going to be in there and you're, you might bring that stuff to your next relationship, but you just got to unpack it. You got to, you got to think about it a lot. You got to acknowledge the things that went wrong, the things that went right, the things that you can perhaps do differently and just use it to grow for your next, uh, 
for your next partner. So yeah, man, I, I wish you all the best. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. But just know there's light on the other side of the tunnel. And uh, there's a bunch of people here for you if you need it as well, brother. So I appreciate you, man. Thank you for that. All right, we got Rump. Ashton asking. Hey, puppies. So I guess my question would be how you advise trying to calm your mental state. Over the course of the last three months, I've gone through some tough shit. You got out of an abusive relationship. You've moved three times. Finally got your own apartment again. A relative of yours stepped at. Uh, dealing with unforeseen medical issues that uh, came up at the time. Hold on. I lost my. And dealing with a job that does not treat you correctly. You had to get a second job and currently tossing around the idea of a third to be able to pay your bills and still afford the rent because of, as of now, you have to make the decision as to what bills are going to be paid late. But you guess to narrow it down over the last week or so, you've noticed that your mind has been all over the place, almost to the point of bipolar. One minute you're fine and the next you just uh you just want to stop and cry and the next you're just flat out depressed and avoid all responsibilities. You guess the question would be, what do I think in my unprofessional but friendly opinion? Of course, should your first step be as to trying to get out of this funk and back to being the happy individual you used to be? You're terrified of what might happen if you continue down this road. I appreciate that, man. And I am so sorry you're having to go through that. Having to deal with all of those things is fucking awful and so much stress and can definitely cause your mind to be fully, fully chaotic. One of the first things that I would suggest is A, meditation. It's so difficult, but uh, if you even, I can send you a free 30-day trial to calm if you want to give it a shot. That meditation is the first. Two, write down everything that is stressing you out. Even before you start meditation, one of the most instantaneous things you can do, and this actually helped me a lot when I was trying to figure out how to manage the stream and volleyball and jujitsu and the gym and my friends and the podcast and modeling and making sure I'm hanging out with puppies and all those things, writing it down. And one of the best, and then from there, once you've written down all the list of your stressors, of all the things that are giving you angst, all the things that are going on in your mind, um, then what I want you to do is I want you to separate that list. I want you to separate that list into things you can control and things you cannot control. Then from there, I want you to manage and try and find a way to control or to set up a schedule to control everything that is controllable. Once you have that settled, then that's kind of where you have to start on your own. Um, because that, that is... That's where, I mean, you can, that's where it gets tough because one of my things and one of the biggest stressors for all of us on planet earth is money. And so if there's something that you can do where you're able to create more money, if one of the things, if, if money is stressing you out, getting that extra job might help with that stress. Yes, you might be overexerting yourself, which is something that you have to self-monitor. I can't monitor that for you, but if you are able to uh if you are able to yeah again control those things that you can control i can guarantee you your stress is going to become a lot lot less and then with meditation you learn to then be okay with the fact that you're just going to be stressed about the things that you can't control about and then over time when you start to manage the anxiety of those things that you can't control over time that lessens 
and then you become habitual in knowing, for example, cutting clips and stuff used to be one of my biggest stressors. So what did I do? I created the habit of doing it right after stream. That way I don't think about it anymore. Um, or I know that five days a week at these times I'm going online. So I don't have to think about it anymore. The less things you leave to the more things you're able to automate, the more, uh, the more things you're able to automate, take care of, get set down in a schedule of, okay, I can take care of these things. The more things that your brain is occupied or is uh, the more parts of your brain are unoccupied to then focus on those other things. So if you don't have to focus on the laundry, the dishes, and uh, taking the dog for a walk, you can then be thinking of all of that type of stuff, you know? Um, and then uh, also one of the biggest things is just writing every morning how you're feeling. Not only once you get that list of controls and can't controls, writing down how you feel every morning because just getting it out feels so good. Even if it's something that has not changed, like the amount of times I would bring up to the mods, stressed about the algo, stressed about things going on Facebook, stressed about this. It was, and them helping me so much was, Okay, <clears throat> well, this you can control, this you can't. Have you done this? And that's one of the reasons that led me over to Twitch was, okay, I can sit here and continue to complain about something that's out of my control or I can take control and forget leaving that up to someone else and it's paid off. Does it pay off all the time? No, but it's definitely something that helps for sure. Again, just having a list of the things you can control, the things you can't, knocking the list down of those things you can control, getting those under control as best as, as you possibly can, and then letting those uncontrollables, yeah, focus and, and become aware of them and, and work to become at peace with that, but also just become comfortable letting them be, you know? Um, so yeah, that's really it, brother. I, I, I completely understand what you're going through and I'm so sorry that you're having to go through this. It is not easy, especially dealing with money, especially dealing with family and relationships, just really focusing on you, focusing on those things that bring you peace, making sure you're, you're taking the time to play video games, to go for walks, to read, to do those little things that you might might feel are wasting time, even if it's just for five minutes. Do something for yourself. And uh, yeah, I, I wish you the best of luck, brother. I know, I know you'll be here. And I know that uh, I know that we got you. We got you, man. All right, our final question of the week. Mr. Brian Campbell's soup. If you have had a panic attack, how do you deal with them when they happen? If you haven't, how do you manage my, uh, your anxiety when it spikes? Dude, I appreciate your question. Brian Campbell Soup, to the best of my knowledge, <clears throat> excuse me, I have not had a um, panic attack. I have gotten very, very anxious to the point where I usually just sit, but... One of the best things for me when my anxiety spikes is breathing and walking. 
I know that for me, a lot of my anxiety makes me frantic. It makes me, you know, and so if I sit still, that is, that is not really how I work the best. I will definitely be taking big ass breaths. I will try and put on some calm music and I'll try and go for a walk. I'll try and even just standing around, even just pacing. And trying to just shake out, just trying to shake out that energy that I'm feeling. Also, one of the big things is figuring out why I'm anxious. What, what is causing me this amount of anxiety? And again, is it something I can change or is it something that I just have to sit through? It's something I have to sit through. If I'm getting that much anxiety, personally, I'm smoking weed. That's just how I've done it. I would like and am going to get to a point where no matter how I'm feeling, I can deal with it and I don't need weed to help me work through it. But if I'm getting to that level of, anxi of anxiety, there's a very strong chance that I'm having some cannabis in my body. That is not what I'm saying you should do. But again, that is just how I have done it. Uh, but yeah, brother, I am... I am so sorry that you're dealing with that amount of anxiety, but definitely being aware of my body, see, smell, uh, see, smell, touch is a big thing. Um, that can help bring you back to the present moment because also a big thing with anxiety is the fact that your mind is thinking about, it's taking you to a place that is not this moment. So the more you're able to bring yourself back to what is happening right now to this moment so okay i'm seeing the flowers i'm smelling uh just the smell of kind of some some carpet maybe a little bit of must from puppies i can feel my desk and that sort of slowly occu just taking your brain back to this moment can be very 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 helpful um so yeah that's trying to bring yourself back to the present moment probably the best thing you can do Ways to do that, breathing. You can do square breathing, four inhale, four hold, four exhale, four hold. You can do, um, you can do see, touch, smell. Uh, you can do uh, counting your breaths, just in on, uh, count in, uh, one on the inhale, two on the exhale, one on the inhale, two on the exhale, just everything to bring you back to this present moment. And, uh, yeah, that would be that would be the best bet that I have to combat all of that anxiety. Um, so y'all, we did it. That was the first official episode. Five questions got us almost an hour and a half of talking, hour and 15 minutes, let's be honest. And I can't thank you guys enough. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging out. Uh, if you guys have questions that you're trying to have answered, exclamation questions is all you got to type in chat. Fill out that Google form, and then every Monday I'm going to do my best to get to as many questions as possible. As this continues to grow, as so many of you continue to submit questions, we might have it where, all right, we're going to talk about mental health and fitness today. We're going to talk about streaming and blah, blah, blah today um, and, and sort of organize it like that. But uh, without any, any further ado, that was today's episode. Of the What the Fluff podcast. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for your attendance. I love you guys. I hope you enjoy the episode. We're going to be back for another live recording tomorrow at 10 
30 recording going live at 11 we'll see if we can do this again i appreciate you guys for listening i'll catch you next week y'all are the best and there you have it the very first what the fluff mental health monday episode thank you so much i hope you guys enjoyed let me know what you guys uh if you have any questions i will drop the link to the questionnaire and then we start the stream over on Twitch every Monday at 10.30. The recording starts at 11. And yeah, I'd love to have you guys there. You get a little preview of the episode. That episode then gets released the Monday after. All right. So thank you guys. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day, night, morning, whatever the fluff it is you guys got going on. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will catch you next week for another episode of the What the Fluff podcast. Enjoy your evening.